Not Billable is brought to you by LawTreats, the largest marketplace for hiring freelance corporate legal talent. With over 3,000 vetted attorneys, legal operations professionals, paralegals, and contract managers, an app to make tracking and paying for work easy, and world-class 24-7 customer support, LawTrades is the best place to hire full-time or flexible legal talent at a fraction of the price of traditional outside counsel and staffing agencies. Get matched to great candidates today by using the link in the description and mention this podcast to get your first 10 hours of legal work for free. Hey everybody, I'm Oren Palag. Welcome back to another legal news update. Joined as always by my good friend and law trader extraordinaire, Matt Margolis. Matt, how you doing, man? I'm great, man. I'm in my room today. I'm not in my, my normal office. And I've so now you could see like my giant microphone. So if you're watching this, <laughs> I apologize that it's like it's like taking over and capitalizing on the uh, on the screen here. But living the dream. Living the dream nonetheless. Living the dream and we can hear you clearly, so it works for me. And that's not the only thing that's a bit different this week. This week, we're actually going to just be focusing on one story because it is effectively the only story going on in the legal world, oh, yeah. uh, in the business world. Uh, and that is the uh, fragility of the banking system and the collapse of not only Silicon Valley Bank, but uh, two other banks this week. So mm-hmm. before we kind of start talking about all that, let me just set up what happened last week because it was quite the week. Uh, so on Wednesday of last week, you have basically the, the liquidation and closure of something called Silvergate Capital, uh, which was one of the two largest, um, basically, they were a bank that would help, or a, a financial institution, I should say, that would help uh, with stablecoin for crypto. They closed on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. That same night, it turned out uh, that Silicon Valley Bank, which is an actual bank, uh, reported some $2 billion in uh, losses because they were so panicked to raise money to stabilize themselves. Uh, that very quickly, the news of that got out. Uh, by Thursday, the bank was teetering on the edge of collapse. And by Friday morning, within 48 hours of, of this whole mess starting, Silicon Valley Bank collapsed, which was the second largest collapse of a bank in U.S. history, followed by, on Sunday, the third largest banking collapse in U.S. history, which was Signature Bank. Um, so we had this wild couple of days, um, and before we get into what's been happening since and and where we're on now, Matt, what were you thinking when you were watching all of this? Uh, what sort of legal legal ramifications were you concerned about? Plenty, 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 plenty. So, um, watching Silverbank was, uh, oh my gosh, my brain is fried. Watching the the original crypto bank basically go under was was a frightening Silvergate, thank you. Oh my gosh, someone's going to. I appreciate telling me because someone's going to correct me inevitably yeah. on this. I see. My, I have SVBs stuck in my brain. So when SVB started going down, which is a staple of the startup community, been around for forty years, it provided a lot of uh, flexible financing. I think venture debt is a pretty common uh, tool utilized by SVB, and a lot of people bank with SVB. Not just you know people that are in the area, but. You have a lot of companies that bank with them. And if I had to guess, I don't have access to loan docs, but I would guess that when SVB was a part of these transactions, was providing the debt, or maybe was an LP in the in the in the equation, um, they were requiring deposit or the companies to be depositors at the bank. That effectively open up these accounts at the bank so the bank can obviously monitor the money and if anything happens, right. I mean the money's at the bank. So I, I and that's common. That's very common, not just in tech but that's common 
in, when you're getting dead in some of these big commercial transactions. My understanding is, yes, that is common. But what Silicon Valley Bank did, they were pretty aggressive about saying, yes, that, but also do not bank anywhere else. We are your sole bank yeah. if you come to us. And I think that well, was it's one of, of those like. Sure. And it's almost like a status thing, right? Like you don't right. bank at SVB. Like what are you doing? It, it, that's kind of how tech is. That's kind of how the Valley is. Like, But they definitely cultivated weird. that, right? Like you could have done JP Morgan or something else, but they definitely cultivated that we are your only bank. And I think they did a really good job of being, at least my understanding of being like at the phone, right? You're using a regional bank. That's kind of the appeal of a regional bank where like you're using a larger bank and maybe you're a startup that has maybe a few million in the bank, but not 20, 30, 50, 100 billions of dollars in the bank, you may not get that kind of service where SVB was known for providing that level of service. So for a lot of people that made, there was all these factors of why they were using um, Silicon Valley Bank and to see it start to crumble. So I guess the backdrop of it was they'd invested pretty heavily. I Let me backdrop, let me go back a little bit further. A lot of deposits, a lot of deposits because during the last few years, tech was super hot, people were raising money and Again, what we had discussed where some were either required to bank with SVB or strongly encouraged. And um, they were receiving a lot of funds. And um, they had invested in, long, was it long-term treasury? Um, 20 and 30-year bonds or 20 and 30-year bonds, yeah. Yeah, and um, <laughs> that was apparently that wasn't a good investment. <laughs> it should have been short-term investment. Not short-term notes, not long-term notes. And, um, and again, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not... I'm not financial in any way, shape, or form. I'm just a shit-talking lawyer on the internet. But um, <laughs> that seemed to be that seemed to be an error so much and so that uh, that Silicon Valley Bank ended up having to raise money and, and issue bonds. And I believe what is being said by folks in the industry is that the messaging at that point, the messaging by the bank was like, "Don't panic, don't fear." Which, when you tell someone to calm down or don't panic, especially a bank, I'm gonna panic. Yeah. And, and, gonna, my, and, and, and to this point, yeah. uh, they were trying to raise cash so quickly that I believe that was why when they had sold, so they had about $21 billion worth of bonds. Sure. Or of treasury, treasuries, I should say, uh, that they were, that they were uh, leveraging uh, from deposits. Mm. And they were so panicked to raise money that they sold twenty the entire portfolio in 24 hours yep. and took a $2 billion took such loss a hit. on it. Yeah, they took a 10% <laughs> loss on it because they were hit. so panicked for money. And I think that's what uh, tripped everybody up and got everybody afraid. Because when you see that, yeah, yeah. you're right. And and, and it's, I got to go back to it as well. It's the messaging where you have to message this appropriately to the market. Like, hey, this is it's normal. We, we know what we're doing, but apparently didn't feel that way. And then where we get to our next part of the story is we have a number of um, bigger named folks in the industry, mostly VC, uh, venture capital. And they had told everyone in their circles and probably more than that, pull your money, pull your money, pull your money. This is not a good look. You know, I, 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 I see the writing on the wall, this, whatever. So, um, everyone, everyone pulled their, their money, everyone as well, at least everyone as fast as you can. And it left a lot of people in this strange situation where do I whiff a debt covenant where my debt says you have to bank, right? Like we talked about before that I have to bank there or do I pull my money out and, and also, where am I going to put it in the meantime? But pull that money out and 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 run the risk, which for a lawyer it makes you want to throw up. <laughs> hey, do you want to breach your do you want to breach your agreement with that bank? Like willingly breach that agreement? So I imagine the legal lawyers were getting plenty of phone calls at that moment. Also, 
I'll jump to it after, but I will say that probably a lot of lawyers received a number of phone calls, and I bet they probably received a lot of phone calls saying, hey, I'm going to take that money and actually put it in my personal bank because of the speed in which everything was occurring, which is oh, another sounds, legal nightmare. Yeah, that sounds like a legal nightmare. It's think, Can you think of that about that? Also, think about being the auditor where you have to, like, are you commingling your funds with your personal accounts? Like, what yeah. is happening here? Um, so absolutely frightening but again it's a panic situation i'm not i'm not slaying anyone for doing what they had to do in those scenarios especially when your fear is that like i have all this money in the bank that's investor money and i'm about to lose that investor money as well as um be unable to run a business that maybe has 50 100 200 300 plus people working there and all of a sudden in one day right they're gone they're gone everyone loses their jobs exactly exactly and that was a fear well, so, so let's do kind of a little bit of an autopsy here of, of, of sure. look, it's going to take years to figure out exactly what happened, but here are like three major things, uh, three major factors that definitely did collide uh, to cause us. So the first thing, and this is going back a little bit further, is deregulation. Uh, yeah. If you'll remember by 2010, uh, because of the, the you know Great Recession, we had the Dodd-Frank bill, which was kind of a, a whole uh, package of regulations for the bank and the financial industry, and it was heralded as this landmark thing. Three years later, uh, Barney Frank, the Frank of Dodd-Frank, uh, who yep. just happened to be sitting on the board of directors of Signature Bank. <laughs> of Signature. <laughs> uh, yeah, starts um, calling for some deregulations of his own law. Specifically, he wants the threshold uh, that banks have to, uh, you know, there's the threshold in the original Dodd-Frank that if you're over $50 billion in assets, you have to be subject to all sorts of capital capital regulations, uh, stress tests, uh, a living will Mm -hmm. in case your institution collapses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and he starts lobbying pretty hard, as does uh, the head of Silicon Valley Bank. Of to raise that threshold, <laughs> Yeah, to raise that threshold to $250 billion which would clear both those banks uh, uh, from said regulations. By 2018, with Donald Trump in the White House and Republicans in control of both houses, it finally passes. Uh, And they have, like you said, a boom time from from 2018 to, let's say, 2022, when interest rates start going up, etc. And that brings us to point number two, those interest rates. uh, We had talked about Mm -hmm. how Silicon Valley Bank was taking massive deposits that they were making that they were receiving from deregulation through 2021 putting them in longer term treasuries which would have been okay if interest rates had stayed kind of low but they didn't they started to go up meanwhile silicon valley the tech industry was starting to uh, um, have some missteps in 2022 people sure. were pulling out the money now silicon valley ha- bank has to sell these bonds which you know uh, are no longer as attractive because rates have been going up and they start to take all these huge debts, uh, all these huge uh, hits, uh, um, which leads us to point number three, the speed. This thing happened within 48 hours. Uh, uh, you know, you have, uh, who is it? Uh, Patrick McKenney, who is the House Financial Services chair, yeah. said that this is the first uh, uh, Twitter um, bank run in history, right? This happened at the speed of Twitter. Yeah. Uh, within 48 hours. Twitter. It's insane, right? So you have these three factors, which really yeah. kind of messed everything up. That Well, you raised the next point, which is it, it goes to the speed. It's this this Twitter bank run. So I, I was I, on Twitter as well. I think everyone was on Twitter watching this unfold. And you saw a number of these big names in VC um, actively 
aggressively tweeting out something needs to be done. You need to bail out the bank. I, bail out is not the best word, and we'll, we'll explain why after, but you need to do something. You need to backstop. Um, the government needs to backstop these deposits and guarantee that everyone's going to get their money back. Again, we're not talking about the investors. We're not talking about management. We are talking about the folks that are actually banking there. And those, those uh, I, I, I would say this definitively, like I could not get away from it on Twitter. It was, it was so pervasive. It was mm-hmm. everything on there, and that was the whole weekend. And eventually, yeah. it, I think the Fed took notice of, of everyone. Obviously, I'm sure there was some lobbying behind the scenes, undoubtedly. I believe, um, I know that like the uh, the current head of YC, of Y Combinator, I think was very vocal as well. I'm sure he had been doing whatever he had to do to, you know, to facilitate and assist these startups. But a bunch of big known folks in the industry were really, really vocal on Twitter and you're right. With on, by, I think it was Sunday night. We were advised that the FDIC was was affirming, "Hey, everyone, all of you are going to be made whole. All of the depositors will be made whole, and we're creating this new loan program um, to assist when this happens again." And <laughs> oh, also, we're taking signature back. <laughs> we're also shutting down <laughs> signature back. <laughs> Just don't. Worry. We're saving everyone here, but. Also, hey, heads up, this bank's going down. Um, it's also a which massive was, bank, yeah. Don't, don't look behind here. Just, this is good. We got this. Don't worry about it. But, um, and I think the what is what is being utilized uh, to backstop, which is you know, advised by the FDIC and the Treasury and, and, um, and the government, was that um, there is a fund that the banks pay into. I think there's like $120 billion in there. And that's what's yeah. backstopping... Um, well, yeah. let's talk about that for a second in, in a bit more detail sure. because that's a pretty unprecedented. I mean, that is an unprecedented move. What you're describing here is normally an FDIC insured bank. Uh, if you have uh, a deposit, uh, if you have an account at the bank, up to 250k is insured by the federal government. So the bank goes under, like SVB did. You will get your 250k, and and see you later. Sure. Silicon Valley Bank, over 85 percent of its deposits were above that limit. So when the bank went under, um, people were about to lose millions of dollars, right? Billions oh, of yeah. dollars, right? That, you, so yeah. what the FDIC did was come in and insure everything, everything over the 250K limit, which then what is the point of having an FDIC insure? Like, what are we doing now, right? Because this is almost nationalizing. That, yeah, it's a fair point. No, it's an absolutely fair point. And I, and I, I apologize to the listeners who did, I, I didn't, provide the backdrop there see i see now i'm assuming things in evidence um so <laughs> the the 250k is yeah you're right you were insured up to 250k and then that being said what you can do is you there's a number of uh banks that offer like a sweep uh program where they will take that money or they'll take your over the 250k and they'll put it across different accounts outside of the bank because i think it's like you were getting 250k per per account category I think it's per mm. account category. Okay. And so that what they're doing is they were basically creating a, a scenario where like you have multiple accounts so you can insure more of the money. And that's a that's a, a risk move. If you've got like a risk officer or chief risk management department, that's probably something that they're already doing. But keep in mind, we have a lot of startups. We have a lot of startups that are, that are really, that may not be what they're, they may not even have a CFO. They might not have someone in that position who can advise and such. So there was plenty of people that were exposed. You're right. Like mm-hmm. maybe... They had five million dollars. They raised 
raised an A round, right? They raised an A round of, mm-hmm. of funding and they've got $5 million in the bank that they're about to lose like that. So you're right because what normally happens is that they sell the bank uh, once everything's in receivership, they sell the bank, they sell the assets, whatever is back, you know, whatever they get for the assets, that's how they make you whole. Yeah. And here they're saying, I, they didn't sell anything, I think, at that point. They were like, we're just, don't worry about it. We made you whole. We're going to make make sure that you're made whole, and we'll f- almost like we'll figure it out later. And that's both SVB and Signature Bank. Signature. Uh, and, yeah, that and that's right. from, now, you're right, it's, it's not from taxpayer money. It is from this kind of these banking fees, this like huge fund that they had from the banking fees to sure. do that. But then you've mentioned another program, which is they have this like loan program, and that is from taxpayer money. So first yep. of all, you know, that needs to be made clear, but also that kind of that large fund that was used to, to backstop the every account at SVB and Signature Bank has now wiped out that account. And if anything else fails, and we're already talking about First Republic, which is kind of teetering, and a couple yep. of the regional banks that are are not looking in the best shape, we got no more money to do that with. I, I'm, I'm very curious to see what the FDIC and the Treasury, like what's their thought behind that? Like, do we, is there a special assessment of some kind that they hit each bank with to make up the difference or whenever it happens? But I don't know, I don't know. I, I, I would say like, the, I think the day after this all occurred, folks were still taking money. They were they were effectively doing smaller bank runs from other companies, You're right, for first. Uh, First National, and there was a couple other regional banks that really took a hit. I think they've recovered. I think so. Um, I know, like the day after, the market was a, was a lot clearer. It was a lot more green. That that said, you're right. In this in this day and age, as rates continue to rise, are we going to see more banks go under? Uh, and now we're and, hearing and what this happens morning. Then? Yeah, we're hearing this morning about Credit Suisse, which is yes, a, a Swiss bank, but they have their fingers yeah. uh, around the globe. Uh, Credit Suisse Everything. has been. Uh, teetering for months now. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it to me it sounds. I heard like some issues with Charles Schwab at one point. Charles Schwab. I don't know what's going yeah. on with them. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to speculate. I, I did see at least some headlines relating to to them. You're right. It, it's fully a possibility. So at this point, yes, sure, we're we're we are making sure everyone's whole in a scenario where they really didn't do anything wrong. Right? But, it's not so, an investor who's taking the risk. But here's my question now. In 2008 we learned that some banks can be too big to fail. And now it sounds to me like you can also yeah. be too small to fail. So uh, this is a case of more everything's hazard a syst- across. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything's it, a, what is this systemically important institution or something, whatever the, the phrasing is. Maybe you can make the case for, for SVB. And that's has a lot to do with the deregulation and a lot of the stuff that, that they did sure. on their end, but like signature bank, you know, like at, at what point do we just, let something fall and say, we can't save everyone in the banking system. Uh, and, and what are we supposed to do? Well, that's, that's back to your point. We have, this is so unprecedented where you're mm-hmm. right, where it was, hey, we're insuring up to the 250, but remember, we're, it's going to be an asset sale. We're going to sell everything. We're going to get all this money back. There's going to be a receivership. Act. Maybe, there, maybe the receiver goes after somebody under a DNO policy, an ENO policy or whatever, right? And recovers insurance proceeds, big pot of money, close to whole, whole whatever. This is not what happened. What happened here, you're right, was was a very swift undertaking. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. That's the, that, that's the big thing is we've, we've created this really unprecedented situation, just like you yeah. said, that now it's, now it's don't worry about it. We're going to make sure everyone's whole. Mm-hmm. Or, maybe nec- or maybe next bank uh, 
failure because there's not a fund anymore or there's nothing left in these funds to, to backstop uh, deposits, maybe that's it. Maybe that's the next one. That, uh, that the fails. politics of that, point, I mean, if you have a, a Democratic administration saving Silicon Valley and then some other bank fails and they just not let it go. something else. Yeah, I think the politics of that can is going to look can you imagine? really bad. Yeah. Like a Midwestern but, bank, like a just right. a, like a like a mom and pop style bank where there's families that are there that are longstanding. That it's it's yeah. the same Boeing. It, it, like yep. you think when you're using some a deposit, right? When you're putting money into a bank, there should be no risk. You're not. I'm not a creditor. I'm not supposed to give you my my thought process is not. I'm giving you money, and the bank is going to take that money and, and then play games with it, invest with it, and whatever. My thought is the money is there. And I see it on the screen, and it's going to be that. That is the least risk I could possibly take. Yes. But that's not the case. That's not the case here. And you're right, where going forward, that's still going to be the same mindset, regardless of what bank fails. And you're going to, you're right, you're going to have a problem where if you don't now save the next bank, are you playing games? Is this politics? Is it, should I be loud on Twitter? And that's how I get it done? It raises a lot of concerns, right? Well, so let's kind of walk through moving forward. If I'm sure. uh, the legal department of a startup, yeah, what do I learn from this? What do I do moving forward? Great question. So first, I would make sure that I have someone with an understanding of risk management, financial risk management. I would I would take advantage of these. Well, I guess now we're in a weird spot where it's like, is everything insured, right? Is everything backstop? I wouldn't even take the risk. I would take advantage of these sweep uh, programs, right? And make sure that your your money is insured up to whatever. There are plenty of, by the way, there are plenty of companies now that are like, that have these systems in place. Um, I'm not going to endorse any one person because I don't, I don't, I don't want any of that heat, man. <laughs> don't blame me if something goes goes wrong again. But there are plenty of, of banks and and startups that provide these kinds of services. So that would be something important. Second, I would be cognizant, especially if you're like a fintech. I would be cognizant that we probably will see more regulation. We may see more Dodd Frank esque regulation come play, or take back what was taken out and and lower the threshold again to fifty billion, maybe even less. So I would fully expect to see much more regulation in place. I would also, geez, I, I, I just, that's the big thing. I probably also would be cognizant of like what you're signing when you're taking out debt right. or when, you're, when you have these agreements with investors to right. know where the money is going and maybe you should be negotiating or this is a good example of how you can use this to negotiate. Hey, like look what happened with SVB. Everyone had their money parked there. No one took advantage of whatever programs or what, you know, didn't have the ability to and then Boom, I, they almost lost all their funds. So that's obviously something else a legal department's probably going to be cognizant of is negotiating these loan agreements so their debt covenants are at least more favorable so this scenario doesn't occur again. Crazy. But it's Crazy. it's gonna be it's gonna be reminds me of crypto, right? When crypto first took the tank, the first thing we said on this on this podcast was regulate. They're gonna regulate this because they have to. I said with FTX, like you have to. And that's what happened after 08. It was it was the Great Recession. It was such a systemic failure of the banking industry, insurance industry, financial industry as a whole, that you had to regulate because that's what you couldn't have this happen again. And then you deregulated here. And look what happened. So what do you got to do? You got to relate. You got to re-regulate. Yep. So I, I fully expect to see legislation. If not, if it hasn't already been filed, it will be filed within the next few days. It uh, has to. It has I don't to. think. 
I don't think we're out of the woods yet. I think we're going to be talking about this for a little. Yeah. And there's going to be some more pain ahead, unfortunately. Um, but I, I think you're yeah. absolutely right. I mean, you can't go through something like this. And so many of us have lived through 08. And it this just feels, it's it really does just feel like deja vu. Uh, and people are going to start asking, yeah, why why weren't checks in place, you know? Why, why weren't checks in place? I, I couldn't agree more. There's a compliance professional somewhere out there that was like, I know I know my job is going to get significantly harder. I will say this, at least on the Twitter point. Will we see? See, that's that's. I think that's the other problem with like with utilizing social media as. It's the beauty and curse of social media as an instantaneous news source, right? You get news and you could you could disseminate news and make sure folks are aware of whatever it may be very fast. But in the same vein, you could disseminate information like this, as well as with charts, right? Showing like we always see like charts showing at that particular moment a bank or, or another stock getting absolutely crushed, and you can create a rush. You can create a, a scenario where people think there is no liquidity or something is absolutely fine. And that's that's a problem that I don't know how to tackle, but as stated by that congressperson, you know, it, it's a tw- it was a tw- almost a Twitter run bank run and it could happen again. It could happen again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, to everyone listening, hopefully uh, all their deposits are, are in good working order. Uh, and yep. uh, the pain is uh, is minimal. Whatever whatever is still left to happen. Um, but thanks as always for talking yeah. me through this, uh, and and hope everything everything is well. Yeah. No. Yeah. Listen. Hey, as a as a shining, you know, like a like a I don't know what to call this. I I don't. I'm out of metaphors and analogies. But as a good thing to come out of a bad thing, I've heard that SVB like is currently operating as like a bridge bank, and mm-hmm. so it's operating. It has staff. It has a new CEO who's incredibly experienced. And apparently things seem okay. Like I, I've, I've heard people are going there, they're getting their cashier's checks, wires are going out, things are moving, are functioning. So awesome, good, good to hear that. Good. And again, if you banked in, in any of these banks and um, I hope things have been recovered, I hope that you've made payroll, I hope that everything is functioning well. And Absolutely. I, I hope I hope this doesn't happen again. But I, again, yeah. as Orin, as we just said, for the last 25 minutes, I, it might, it definitely it might. might. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that this is uh, uh, Lehman Brothers, but uh, you know, it might be Bear Stearns. It might be setting us up for for something else, or not, or or it was just this. And that was it. Who knows? Yeah, I bet. I don't. I don't. I don't want any more nightmares at night. That's yeah, going to replace the. I didn't. I didn't comply with the discovery order on time. So, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Orin. Anyway, thank you, thanks, and uh, yeah, we'll talk soon.